What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel, B1. Today, you are here for the 20th episode. I can't believe it. 20 fucking episodes. The 20th episode of the Biker Bar. The Biker Bar, if you guys are new, is a live stream that I do every Sunday at 5 p.m. PST. Um, give or take, every once in a while, there's some scheduling things. It might slide an hour or one way or another, but pretty much every Sunday, 5 p.m. PST. And um, so it's, it's a long format video. So this is live on Sunday. And then afterwards, I upload it to um, Apple Podcasts and Google Play and SoundCloud for a podcast. So you can check it out there if you just want to listen to it while you're at the gym or you're um, doing, doing your thing, like commuting to work or whatever it is. So definitely go take a look at that. Um, I have a couple of things that I do at the beginning of every podcast because I don't have sponsors. My sponsors are actually all of you guys. You guys sitting on YouTube, you guys home at, got maybe got a little Patreon action going on, whatever it is, you guys are my sponsors. So this is my commercial break. Um, <clears throat> first of all, there is one thing that I do wanna, wanna point out. If you guys are on or were on the, are, are on the live stream, I got two stickers that came from two of my subscribers that I really wanted to bit, throw a big shout out to them. Petals and Plants. He's a uh, guy, I want to say he's down in Florida, sent me this cool ass magnet and some stickers for the beer fridge over there. And then another dude, Shady MTB. He's from Pennsylvania, my home home state. Um, go ahead and give those guys a, a, a look at if you, if you get a chance. I'll throw their uh, channels up in the show more after the fact. So I appreciate it, man. They they jumped on onto my my website biker.com b1ker.com and uh, grab grabbed my PO box and sent that out to me. It was really nice. Got got a little letter from them and everything. So next on the uh, on the advertisements, um, I got what you can see right now. Aside from these amazing man boobs, movies as I like to call them, I have uh, this new shirt. It's called it's my O tab shirt. And uh, if you guys don't know, or you haven't followed the channel for a while, you're new to the channel. I know I got a lot of new sub subscribers lately. OTAB goes along with the, the uh, slogan for the channel. It only takes a bike to be a biker, get out and be one. So the, the short version is only takes a bike. So OTAB, if you're uh, hashtagging something on Instagram or Facebook, put it up there, hashtag OTAB, and I'll, I'll take it take a look at it if I can a little thumbs up a little stoked action you know and uh, so go ahead and uh, if you guys are interested in getting one of these shirts you can swing by shop.biker.com I actually have just recently released three new shirts for the holiday seasons or just because I like making new shirts so um, if you're if you're watching right now you can see this is my send it shirt it's got the the biker logo on it and a little mountain biker hitting a ramp and jumping into a bunch of red solo cups. So if you're listening, it looks sick. So <laughs> um, outside of that, I also have a no fucks given shirt. It has the, uh, the maybe looks like a car company that comes from Germany and sounds like Volkswagen. Um, maybe it's their font, maybe it's not. So it says no fucks given on it. It's got the biker logo. And then I also have the OTAB shirt, which I'm wearing right now. So you guys take a look at that. And uh, that's that's that for the for the shirts. Enough of that shit. Let's move on. I just wanted to say 
once again, I, I want to start out with thank you guys for subscribing. Thank you guys for liking the video. If you're a new, if you're if you're a lurker and you're just stopping by, it doesn't take much effort to go ahead and hit the subscribe buttons down there on the right hand corner. Hit that button if you guys like what you're seeing and you want to see more of it. Anywhere in the middle of this, if you laugh once, hit like. I mean, that's it, it doesn't take much, but it, it actually is what keeps me motivated. So tonight, I am super stoked to have this guy on. His name is Eric. He is from Texas, and we won't hold that against him too long because I am a Cowboys fan. However, he does he does run a, a, a YouTube channel as well, and it's something about a surviving adaptive mountain biking. So I think we'll go ahead and let Eric go ahead and say hello and maybe give us a little intro to what his channel is about. What's up, Eric? Hey, how's it going? So yeah, <laughs> uh, I run No Front Brakes and uh, it's about riding a mountain bike with a prosthetic arm and uh, trying to step outside of your comfort limits and, and push yourself just a little bit harder and uh, improve and do things you wouldn't have thought you were capable of doing. So... On your slogan, that's that's on the header of, of your YouTube page. It says adaptive mountain biking. And I am like as far away from fucking being being politically correct. I grew up in the 80s and 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 um, we're not really good at that. You know, like we, we say stuff like retard. And now, you know, if you're if you're a millennial, that's not good. I'm supposed to say like like vertically challenged or like, I don't know what the hell it is, but anyways, um, what exactly is that like the, is that the best way to go ahead and say that you're missing your arm? Yeah. So like adaptive athlete is a, a term kind of like a blanket term that's used to describe people that, um, I mean, they could be like myself missing an arm, missing a leg. They could be, they could have vision or hearing impairments, whatever it might be. Um, the adaptive athlete umbrella is just like a way that it's like a catch all statement to say someone who's riding bike in a non-conventional way or, or doing any sport in a non-conventional way. In my case, it happens to be riding a bike. So does like being 290 pounds count? I mean, do, do I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know the rules. Uh, <laughs> I identify as being adaptive. Oh, or <laughs> sure. Sure. As a as an ambassador for adaptive athletes, I welcome you into the club. You concur. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I saw your uh, tilt, tilting back a, a beer there. What do you got? Uh, yeah, it's from Oasis Brewing. It's a Texas brewery. Um, this is called El Grito. It is an Austin goes goze. I don't know how to say it. It's a sweet lager with lime and sea salt. Oh, it's a very very Texas beer. Dude, Texas, like like my lady, she lived down there for a while, and she said that beer salt down there is like super fucking popular. Mm -hmm. What is the deal with that? Like I never even heard of that. And then whenever I moved out to California, like they they have it in like, you know, on the on the counter by by mm -hmm. where, where you're paying. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what 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 are you a beer salt guy? Uh I don't typically uh but yeah it's at every it, it's funny because you know we're both from pa and so like you there was i don't know if they do now but when i lived there they didn't sell beer in like a gas station and they so it's we started they just really and not at gas stations but I, I think it's like certain like grocery stores mm -hmm. otherwise you had to go to a beer distributor 
Yeah, yeah, you had to go to a special beer store. But it was weird when I moved down here and I'm like, why is there an island of ice in the middle of the gro- in middle of the gas station or like, you know, why is there a whole aisle at the grocery store with just beer? It was it was a little bit of a culture shock. But yeah, at gas stations they have beer salt. It was by the register in the ass, man. Because yeah. the beer like like there I I don't know how old you were when you left Pennsylvania. I may or may not have been old enough to be buying beer, but I was. And uh, um, like you could only get beer at the beer distributor or there was like a loophole because the beer distributor closed at like 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. And so if like you're having a party, you ran the fuck out, you're having a problem, right? So, but like what you could do is you could go to the, the bar and you're yep. allowed to take out a 12 pack at a time. So yep. like you're like, you can't go to the bar and be like, I'll oh, take one to go. <laughs> yeah. And it was usually like the a back entrance to the bar. Like you couldn't even go up to the bar and be like, I'll have a six pack of this. You had to go to like a special doorway. They had to, they have to yeah. keep it. It's so yeah. weird. Some, sometimes they were like, you know, there was this place that they had, it was called Quick Six. And it was quote unquote a bar because they had like one table in there. <laughs> and really, it was like, it looked like a grocery store of beer. It was just like all like stand-up coolers, you know, and yeah. all like six-packs. And then you could walk in there to this bar and buy a 12-pack. You could walk out to your car, drop it in the car, turn around, walk back in, buy another 12-pack, turn around, walk back out to your car. It was like, what are those things in life where you're like, this is just stupid. Yeah. Like, why is this happening? And I, beer distributors that we would go to would always be like like a literal warehouse, just like skids with like twelve packs of beer on. And you'd yeah, just go yeah, like the beer all over. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd have to go through them to get a keg, which was always a pain in the ass too. That's funny. I, yeah, think I don't know. I don't know if they have this in California, but when I moved here, another weird thing is that they have beer distributors in Texas as well, but they're drive through. Oh, dude, we do not have that. California would fucking lose their shit. If so any- odd. You just like drive up this driveway. There's no parking lot. And you drive through like basically a giant carport with wall sidewalls. And you just, they put the beer in your car and you pay for it. And you don't get out of your car. It's so weird. In my mind, it's like pull up with my F-150. Hopefully there's a button that actually I can just push and the tailgate goes down. <laughs> And then they're like, drop a, a fucking pallet of beer on the back. And then I'm like, I'm out, bitches. <laughs> I think there's a place. I, I don't think it's Texas, but I think it's like uh, like Louisiana or something. They have like drive through like margarita shops or something like that. Or like, yeah. God. Katie was telling me that's my lady's name. She was telling me like the rule was if the paper on the top of it, like they would rip the straw. So it just had paper on the top. And if the paper was still on the straw, then it was like not an open container. Yeah. With, Could, like, couldn't you just tilt it though? Huh? Couldn't you just tilt it? Like, I don't know. The first thing that came to my mind was like, I would definitely just have another straw in my car. Yeah. And like, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty, uh, I don't know. I guess, I mean, you can't, you can't police everybody. People are going to break the law no matter what. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm definitely not one of those guys. So, yeah, moving along. Yeah. <laughs> so you're from PA too. I forgot that you were from PA. For some reason, I was thinking it was your lady that's from PA. She she from PA too. 
she she's originally from El Paso, actually, and then wow. uh, her parents, and then Salt Lake City when she was a kid, and then uh, Western New York, whatever that that town is that has the paper mill. Oh yeah, yeah, Spring Grove, right. somewhere Spring near Grove. Spring Grove. Yeah, yeah, Spring Grove. Yeah, and Ooh. then uh, yeah, they and stinky ones. I grew up in Mannheim, so I, I after college I lived in Lancaster for a good ten years. Oh wow. That's crazy. So you're over there. So you're, are you like, like part Amish or? No, no, but I do, I do miss. It's funny. I just ordered, uh, at my work, we were talking about, um, like holiday, holiday, holiday foods or whatever. And I, and I talked about shoe fly pie and everyone's like, what's that? So I just ordered some. I'm excited. There, there's some stuff from home that I like seriously miss. I, I've moved around a lot in my life and, what I've found is that, you know, like you miss your friends and then you also miss food and like the food from home, a like in California, we have like Mexican food, like there's no tomorrow. I, I didn't even know that like the only Mexican food that I ate before I came to California was like Taco Bell. So I came out here and ordered like two burritos and three tacos and my uncle about shit his pants. He's like, no dude, one burrito. And that thing came out, it was like so fucking big. I, I didn't even know that that was like humanly possible. But back home, we have a lot of really good Italian food. And so one of my favorite foods was was uh, stromboli. Do you know stromboli? Oh, yeah. God, I miss stromboli. But like some like more like Pennsylvania Dutch kind of stuff. Um, the way that, that they make like chicken pot pie back home mm -hmm. with like, the big, thick, like noodle, like it's not how, like when you say chicken pot pie to everybody else in the world, they think like this, like breaded thing that's cooked in a pie tin. Mm -hmm. That's not chicken pot pie where I'm from. Yeah. What else is there? Oh, well, luckily Snyder's of Hanover is, uh, pretty much everywhere or at yeah, least we can now. get the, yeah, we can get them here. Uh, soft pretzels. I miss getting soft pretzels. Annie Ann's, Annie Ann's oh, soft pretzels is from Lancaster, I believe. Don't they have them in the mall? They used to have them in the mall all the time. Everywhere. Yeah, I think they might have it one in the mall here, but there you used to be, be able to just like, like I remember as a kid, uh, I hated going to Kmart, which was a thing. And right. uh, outside of the Kmart, there was always this like Amish kind of like a food truck that where they would sell soft pretzels and oh. have slushies. And I remember like I'll, my, my mom would always rope us into going to Kmart with her and just like wandering around aimlessly by uh, promising us a soft pretzel. Yeah, yeah. I used to not eat my lunch at school so I could get a slushy after 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 school. Those of you guys that know a slushy is it's like an icy or a, what do they call it at 7-Eleven? It's like a like a like a I don't know. Is that like, icy? Icy. Yeah, well, I mean, icy is like the, that one brand, but they're like. 7-Eleven has a different name for it. I can't think what it is. And it's kind of like out here in California, everybody refers it to that. But like where I'm from, like people just call it a, a slushy. So, oh man, there was something else I was going to say that just like reminded me of home too while we were saying that. Oh, you know, um, when I first moved out here, the only potato chips in California were like Lay's, uh -huh. which are super, super thin. And back home, we had a chip brand called Martin's, which were kettle oh, cooked. Yeah, yeah. And nobody knew what kettle cooked chips were. And I would be like, no, it's like, it's like a potato chip, but it's just like thicker. And yeah. uh, now fortunately there's like all these like boutique, like kind of like yeah. places. Utz's, Utz's is another one. 
Yeah, yeah. There was a nuts plant right there, right there in town where where I grew up. I grew up in New York, so we have like a, a Harley Davidson plant there, and just a. It, it, it's like forty five minutes north of DC for those of you guys that don't don't know the area. I used to always say I'm from South Central PA because it made me sound tough. You know, <laughs> it sounds it sounds better than Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> So how did you get into riding, dude? Did you start like riding bikes back then or? Yeah, I, I, uh, I made fr two of my good, good friends when I was in high school. Uh, they were Tyler and Greg and I don't know, I don't actually, I think only Tyler will check out my channel every now and then, but we used to go ride all the time in the woods. We would just, I remember I had a, a KHS Montana summit hardtail, um, the one kid had a rock hopper and the other kid had like a Cannondale and we would ride everywhere and we would go uh, to like Mount Gretna. Do you know that place? That doesn't sound, doesn't ring a bell to me, but it's been a long time. So uh, it's between Lancaster and Lebanon and uh, this place called Middle Creek. Um, we would You're go definitely to from Pennsylvania because you said Lebanon. Anybody yeah. from the rest of the country would say Lebanon. Lebanon. We would say <laughs> Lancaster. Right. We would ride to this bike shop in Ephrata called uh, Green Mountain Cyclery. Uh, we would just ride everywhere, and then I moved away to college, and I kept my, I held onto my bike for a while. It was just like chained up to, you know, the the bike rack of whatever apartment complex I lived in at the time. Right. Uh, and then when I moved to Texas, I finally just let it go after not riding it for so long. And then I lived here for a few years and discovered. Um, some trails that shall not be named. They're kind of bandit trails uh, right near where I lived. And uh, I was like, I, I gotta, gotta get a bike. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 I went through a little period too. I think a lot of us, you know, at this age in our life went through that same kind of period where I think for me, it was just like, I rode a lot of bikes when I was in high school and stuff like that. And I got, you know, into the military and all I wanted to do was drink beer and chase ladies. And then I, had, had a kid and, you know, and it was just maybe two kids. Yep. Had two. <laughs> and then, uh, um, you know, that I changed from having like more of a manual labor kind of job to doing it. And when I did that, like the weight just came on quick and I was like, you know what, I need to do something about this. And that's whenever I was like, okay, I'm gonna get a bike. I always like doing that. That was like really, really good times for me. I asked my, my grandma, my, my old, bike from the 90s was still at her house and I asked her to ship it out to me it's like fully rigid mm -hmm. I had broke the fork right before I had left and uh I took one look at that thing when it showed up at my house and I was like wow oh man I wish I still had mine to be honest uh dude, this is this is this is the shitty part dude I looked at it and I was like man I need a new bike this is this is bullshit and I put that bike out on the corner with a sign on it said free and it was gone in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And like you just said, dude, I wish I fucking had that thing still. Yeah. I, I, I did so many little odd job, odd jobs to save up for mine. Like mine was like, I think it was like 800 bucks in the mid nineties, which was so much money. And I saved oh, yeah. up forever, dude. It had like a uh, quadra 21 R front suspension and it, they the like there were these like accordion like uh rubber things on the outside of the shock and then the inside there were like these little jelly things that you would put in it was so and then uh i had these like matching yeti grips i don't think yeti i don't know if they 
they were really a high, uh, they were stepping up their accessory game. So everyone had these like Yeti grips that said that came in different colors. And then I had the, the bullhorn like bar ends on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, my bike, I think my first bike was like, or that first real bike was a giant. It was like 500 bucks. I think their top of the line bike that year was a thousand bucks. So yeah. back then, it was, and if you spent, there was a guy in our group that that had like a, a, a a Cannondale that was a full suspension. Mm-hmm. That thing was like three thousand dollars, and everybody just lost their Jeez, shit. Yeah. He said how much it was? Like everybody was like, "What? There's no yeah. thing." You know, now I'm like, the, you know, we're rolling around with bikes that are between five and ten thousand dollars now. It's just- yeah, my buddy bought his stump jumper, and it was like twelve hundred, twelve hundred or fifteen hundred or something like that. And I, I like couldn't fathom. I mean, yeah. you could buy you could buy any number of used cars back then for that much. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just just it's crazy how things have changed over the years, man. It is definitely just uh yeah. You know, and then <laughs> day. I feel like we're supposed yeah. to have we used to ride uphill both ways in the snow, you know. Um the, change, changing gears a little bit back to your your adaptive riding. Mm-hmm. When you first started your channel, you were actually riding with just just the rear brakes was it that yeah yeah so what i had done and my my you know it's funny because now i actually use front brakes and so people every now and then i'll get a new person that like tries to call me out and be like or be like you know you should do this so that you can use your front brakes i'm like well they're both over there i both i use them both but when i started it was i had the a dropper on the left on the right hand i had the uh like a lever a push shifter and um i flipped the brakes so my front brake was on the right and my rear brake was on the left just a second for the people that are listening your right arm is the one that is your your disabled arm right yep yep that's the one that's missing so my left so for people that are are listening it's about halfway through your forearm and you have um pardon me if i say this wrong kind of like like a nub where 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 your hand would be and and looks like like I'm assuming you were you were born that way. It wasn't like yeah. a war injury. <laughs> yeah, my forearm is like half half the length of uh, probably about three quarters, two thirds of the length of of my other forearm. And so on the right arm, then, which is about half the length, yeah. you still had a shifter over there on that side, and you were like just pushing it with that. Yeah, so I had these like little ergon makes these little like tiny little bar ends and so i had them on uh-huh. uh and so what i would do is i would just make sure whenever i needed a shift that my left hand was butt up against there and then i would take my hand off the shift or off the grip which i would basically rest it on the wrist uh-huh. which because there's nothing past that uh and i'd put my shoulder down underneath and push or pull the shifter to shift so now looking back, I'm like, that's so dumb. Why did I do that for so long? Like, why? Yeah, I mean, you were you were doing? I mean, because you you had your channel. I I don't want to. I don't know exactly how long. I, I know there was a fair amount of videos of you riding, and you were basically just resting. Like, if it was us riding, we'd be resting the middle of our forehand arm on on the right side of the handlebar, yeah. and then your, your hand holding the left side of the handlebar, and that's basically how you were you were like riding. Yep. Yep, it was not a good look. It was pretty dumb. Uh, I wish that I would have. Well, it was. It wasn't that. What's that? 
I mean, you were writing though. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like you were just freaking like. Yeah, I was doing okay, but like now I look at—I mean, I look at how much my writing has changed and what I'm capable of now. And from tw so I started writing in 2014. Uh, I started the channel midway through 2017. So for three years, I was riding a pretty low-end cross-country bike on like Austin, really chunky technical trails, without a prosthetic. And like, so how I, the hell were you like doing anything technical? Like, I. I, I know what it's like whenever I'm like holding a camera in, in one hand and holding mm -hmm. the handlebars with the other. And even if I was to rest my arm on there, like the ability to ride like that through anything yeah. that has any kind of chunk in it, like I, I cannot believe that you were doing that. Yeah, I kept on getting blisters on on the, the underside. So like where, you know, on like on your wrist where that, the I don't know which bone it is, but it, it like there's like a, a knuckle there on the oh, outside yeah. of your wrist. wrist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you imagine, like, that's where I was resting on the grip, right right where that little, like, notch is, where the bump and is. you still have a wrist, even though it's just, it's just like your arm didn't grow to its Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, it's, it's still kind of a wrist, and I still have both bones. They're just not as long as they should be, probably. And so I was getting blisters all the time, every ride, to the point where I had sweatbands. I would, I would keep, like, 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 a, like almost like how the Harlem Globetrotters wear their sweatbands. I would keep one there, and and that would kind of keep me from getting blisters right there on my arm in the same spot every time. So somewhere along the line, you're like, this shit's gotta stop, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So well, the funny thing is, is like I never wanted to. I I thought for some reason that if I would figure out a better way to do things, that I would be selling out. Or that I would not be true to myself because I was trying to figure out a way to do it like everyone else. When yeah. really, that's not, I mean, me figuring out a way to do it kind of like how everyone else did it allowed me to do so much more. I'm just so stubborn. I was so stubborn for a long time. And I, think I think we're all that way, man. You know yeah. what I mean? At the end of the day, dude, there's so many fucking things that like, like, I mean, just something as stupid as a dropper. For a long time, I didn't buy one because I was like, I ain't no fucking dropper, dude. I've been riding bikes since the 90s, man. We never had one. And then you start riding with one, you're like, holy shit. So yeah. I would imagine that was like the moment that you had whenever you got into the process. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and now, and now look at it. Like if someone said, hey, I will give you this hardtail with a 150 millimeter dropper, or you can have this, you know, like mid-travel 29er, Full suspension bike with no dropper. I'd pick the hardtail. Oh yeah, dude. Like I just, I just, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't imagine riding without it. And it's the same way for me now. Like I can't imagine going back to the way that I was riding before. So how do you go from the the way that you were riding to having this prosthetic? Because I think there's a pretty interesting story there. Yeah. So um, I had gone out and ridden. Uh, this it's called pace bend and I have a couple of videos on it. Uh, and there's this guy, uh, Leif leaf. I don't know how, which way he prefers his name said, but he built a lot of, a, a lot of trail out there. And so he, I was on like a local mountain bike message board posting pretty frequently. And he messaged me and said, Hey, you should really talk to my friend, Aaron. He runs a prosthetic clinic. And he also owns this 
company called Chumba Bikes that makes titanium uh, hardtails. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll reach out to him. And he gave me his number and this other guy, Vince, that works there. And I texted them and said, hi, I'm a friend uh, of Spice Wookie, which is like his like online moniker that he was going as. Um, and he told me that I should meet up with you. I, I only have one hand and I ride bike. And I just bought a, I, that I just bought, I had my, um, so like in April, I bought my Hightower and in July is when I started putting out videos. And at that point it was August. So I've been, I had a month of videos. So maybe like eight videos or something like that. And that's when I reached out to Aaron and I said, Hey, you know, I have one hand. I, I just have this full suspension bike. I'm getting better at biking, but it's not optimal for me. And so he said, Hey, come out, let's, let's go ride together. So I went out and rode with him. Uh, I think Joseph trail features might've been there. Um, it might've been my friend, Kevin, there were a couple people along in the group ride. So he's like, Hey, he just told my friends, he's like, Hey, I want to follow him and I want to see his posture and see how he rides and what he's doing. And so I thought that I was pretty good at that point. Cause I was going over like all this chunky stuff, doing these little like log rollers, like, like leaning over. I can't believe I didn't crash that mu as much as I should have been crashing. <laughs> no, you crashed a lot, dude. I saw your videos. Yeah, I still crash a lot, so not a whole lot has changed there. Um, but he he followed me, and he was like, "Yeah, I can see. You know, it looks like you're." He's like, "Do you have back pain?" And I was like, "Yeah, after every ride." And he was like, "Oh, okay. Well, yeah." How so he's like, well, I mean, be like, kind of like in that posture. It's just yeah, like yeah. I I was I you know because I I would be like this. I would be kind of cocked, right? Because I'd have to like let my right side. Kind of like you were yeah. bagger, you know. You were just like, "What yeah. up?" Yeah. <laughs> so he he said, "Hey, when are you gonna when are you gonna come in? When are you gonna come into the clinic?" And I was like, "Uh, when do you want me to come into the clinic?" Well, I mean, these things are fucking crazy expensive, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think they're like typically for like the type of one that I have. Uh, I think they're. I don't want to misspeak, but I think they're like thirty five, forty thousand dollars. So you're thinking, um, yeah, I'll come in, but there's not much I can do with you, bud. Well, I just wanted to see, like, I mean, yeah. what's, what's the, I mean, is this, oh. some, is that something that like insurance would cover or like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Insurance would, insurance covers it. And oh, did. So, but, but you just never did it because you were just like stubborn as fuck. Yeah. And plus, like, I mean, yeah. it, I look at it like my my high tower was at least a couple grand. Right. And right. so so my 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 share of it was like two high towers. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to get into too much of the details on yeah, like yeah, what yeah, it yeah. actually ended up no. costing and everything. But no, I understand. Yeah. I just I just kind of want to set the stage so people understand it. Yeah, they're they are. They are expensive. And it's because each one is made custom. And each one is a couple appointments and right. each one requires like, so mine, mine required, I had to go in and get fitted, which means they basically do like a cast of your arm or your leg or whatever, whatever. And so they, they take a cast and then they do an inverse of that cast. And then they make this, Aaron could probably tell way better than I, this is just my guess. Uh, they make this like rubber, rubber pour of it that fits on your, on your arm then. So it's like this really thick rubber. And then on the outside, 
Then they take carbon, like carbon fiber, carbon sheets of carbon, and they wrap it. And then you have a carbon fiber hard outer sleeve. And then so it's not like or is like usually it's aluminum, but then you can get carbon fiber or I don't know. I think it's just I think most of them are carbon fiber. I don't know if there's that that's like an upsell. That, that was that was a bad joke, dude. <laughs> no, I no, I get it. No, I don't know. I don't know what other. I I only know what I have. I well, I can tell you what it, what because I, I had one when I was a kid. When I was like, uh, I probably stopped wearing it when I was like 11, 12. Yeah. My mom probably knows better than I do when I stopped but going. There, there's a bunch of people in the prosthetic industry. They're like, oh, carbon's for bitches, man. You got to ride with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The carbon cracks. <laughs> yeah, right. So tell me, dude, was it the first ride with riding with that or did it take a couple of rides before you like had your mind blown? First ride, but the first ride was also really difficult just because I'm not used to it. Right. Because now you're trying to learn like basically to ride yeah. completely differently. Yeah. So what was it that what was the thing that stood out to you the most that made it so hard? Just because you, because because you're essentially attached to this thing, mm -hmm. like the way that mm -hmm. this thing, like it's strapped onto your arm, and then it like clicks into like what kind of looks like a like a, a hitch for a, a a truck, like a trailer. Yeah, yeah. You kind of yeah, drop, and it's and it's 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 loose, like it's it doesn't click in, like the the prosthetic clicks onto my arm. Like right. I ha okay, so. I'll get into it a little further. So inside that rubber, that thick rubber layer or neo, I don't know. I don't know if it's neo, I don't know what kind of fat or it's some sort of. I, I don't think it really matters. I think yeah. the, the point of it is that whenever it, it clicks onto the hitch on your handlebar, it's loose. So it's not. Yeah, like yeah it just hangs on. It's just like, it's just like, uh, take, your hand, take your hand and make an O shape. And then imagine putting it onto like a, a truck hitch and holding on. So right. it's loose. It doesn't, it like, it wobbles around. I have to make sure my angle's right. I have to keep tension on it. So, so as I'm riding, not only am I thinking about, all right, now I have to keep my elbows out to keep my shoulders square so that I stop hurting my back. But I'm also focused on like, okay, I'm still going over the chunky stuff. I'm still riding, play, you know, because Aaron told me when I, when he first gave it to me, he said, go out in your neighborhood, ride some hike and bike trails. And so I was like, okay. So I like pedaled around my cul-de-sac a little bit. And then I was like, hey, I'm going to go ride Pace Bend Park again, which is like all rocks. And he's like, dude, like, <laughs> it's not what I told you to do, but I'll go. Right. So he came with me and, and we, we rode it again. But it, but yeah, aside from like, it was, it wasn't so much like, it didn't really, it hurt a lot less because me having, you know, uh, a bunch of sweat on my arm from it now being in this like wetsuit arm sleeve thing compared to like my back being in pretty bad pain after every ride. It would, that, that was like completely negligible. It didn't bother me, but I had all these mental things that I had to remember. So I'm like the whole time, I'm, like really thinking about, okay, elbows down. And so I kind of had to relearn how to ride a little bit. When you're a little bit of a meticulous guy like that too, so I can see you going a little bit over, like really like kind of like overly thinking things through, right? Yeah, yeah. Details. The details are, are you know, I'm I get so hung up on details. So, so not only that, then you you had to also you were shifting with your right arm. Now you can't do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That was so. That was the that was more. 
that was more of a concern than me figuring out how the prosthetic was going to work. Because Aaron was already an expert at that. He knew how that was going to work. He knew how it was going to attach to my bars. He knew this company in Boulder called TRS Prosthetics that makes two different mountain biking attachments. So he knew that we were good there. But we, we didn't really know what to do or we had to figure out was how am I going to shift my cockpit around so that I can still ride. And so what we chose, what we decided to do is go to uh, grip shift, which is typically on the right. We flip it, we flip it around, so it's a reverse action. And I was super against grip shift because I, I, my friends had them in the '90s, and they were constantly messing with their derailers all the time because right. it would like it, it's it's you know one click moves it too far, and then you're jumping between gears. So I was like, man, I don't want to do that. But we put it on, and, it, and grip shift is is great. I love it. In fact, I think a lot of like cross country riders are starting to use grip shift now. Have you have you thought about using like electronic shifter now, where it's just like a button? I have one. I have I uh, the guys at Archer Components sent me one. I oh. haven't I haven't take I haven't set it up yet, uh, just because I want to make sure that I have a solid like week or two to play with it first because I want to make sure that you know if I'm going to put this thing on and I'm going to try it out I can't, it can't be during race season and right. it can't be during some time where I already have a prior obligation to go do something crazy or go to a bike park or go you have so to re I'm, like kind of relearn because I mean yeah. your your muscle memory is changing gears by grip shifting not yep. by buttons so once yep. again it's something new something yeah yeah so, so we figured out dropper goes on the left. It's already on the left. Grip shift replaces what's on the right. I had a uh, SRAM uh, guide ours. So we could stack the, they're thrilled. They have a really thin profile, so you can stack those. So really everything is on the left-hand side. So wait a minute, what you just said there is, now you decided to start running both brakes. Yeah, so now, yeah, so now I do run both brakes. So, so at that point, you were relearning how to shift now, and then also somehow like fucking claw shifting or braking with like I, yeah. I don't like how do you, do you have extra fingers on your left hand? No, I mean, so I also <laughs> it's like how the hell are you holding the bar and using two brakes and like that is just crazy. Yeah, so I also switched to uh, Ergon grips. Uh -huh. um, they're, I think the ones I have now are Ergon GP1s. And they kind of have, let's be honest, they look like, they look like grips for the elderly. Like they're like really ergonomic and they're like, yeah, they have a flat profile. Yeah, yeah. But that allows me to wrap my pinky and ring finger around the bars and I don't even use the front brake as much as I use the rear. Um, but so sometimes it'll just be, you know, just like normal. Um, but the ergon means I have more surface contact between with the palm of my hand and yeah, yeah. my bars, which is like that super important. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. So um, I know there's some systems where they make the hydraulic brakes like go into one handle. Have you looked into that? Yeah, I actually have one of those too. Uh, this company called Outbreaker uh, sent me one. See, I so so what I want to do 
I'd like to get, I'd like to pick up another bike at some point and then have one bike that I use for all my experimentation. And then I can document what I'm doing and I don't have to be out of commission for race season because I race enduros. I don't have to be out of commission for like traveling to bike parks or we're about to get our first bike park here. So yeah, I'd like to have one bike that I do all these mad scientist things to and then have my like trail bike that I ride. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the one that you're super comfortable with. So you mm-hmm. can go out and try with your buddies. And then the other one where it's like, this is the Franken bike that's going to like take some work to like learn yeah. or play with or whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I have no doubt that that both the Archer components, electronic shifter and the outbreaker dual lever, I have no doubt that both of those will work, but it will take some dialing. It'll take some getting used to. Yeah. To I mean, how to do it. Retraining my muscle memory. And before I make the commitment and say, this is going to be my go-to, I'm going to use these all the time. I want to try it. Yeah. You know, that's that's like that's like uh, going to like Outer Biker, one of these places, and seeing a bike on a thing and saying, "All right, I'm just going to get that bike." Right. You need without you need riding it. That bitch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's no doubt about it. So that's that's just that'll be really cool, man. So, and I think at the end of the day, like the the best part about that is, like. Give me a reason to buy another bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I also, I mean, I have like, I bought that dirt jumper from Joseph. I have my old hardtail bike, which I haven't ridden in so long. Uh, I, I, I put at least a couple hundred miles on my, on my trail bike this year. I think I did like, did seven, seven enduro races this year. So it's not, I, I need something, I need more than one. And uh, you know, there's a reason that ever that they call having bikes a stable. And there's a reason that they say, you know, like how many bikes do you have N plus one? Right. I think that um, anybody that doesn't ride bikes, they look at it as like, like, oh, I can't think of a really good, good like, way to compare it right now but it's like in their mind you only need one you know what i mean because a bike in and people that don't ride bikes like like we do like they just think of it as like oh you have a bicycle you can do you ride that on the road you can ride that on the dirt you can ride that to the grocery store or whatever and us once you start riding i guess you could equate it to like shoes you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like like you're like oh i just got a pair of shoes that's all i need but if you're a runner, you're like, no, I need running shoes. And if you're a, a hiker, you're like, no, I need hiking shoes. And that's how it is once you get into riding bikes. You're like, no, I need a bike that's good for like the chunk. And then mm-hmm. I want a bike that makes it fun and is like super efficient when I'm riding like the kind of tame trails. Hence the reason that that I'm 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 getting a chameleon. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like I want some something else. And I have a single speed that's a single speed road bike and i use that for riding around town or going to the bar or whatever and then i have a cx bike that is my quote unquote road bike but then it's also you know i can play with that in the dirt on the super tame trails too and that makes it fun it's like it's that same mentality you know and i think that people that don't ride bikes they just don't get it they mm. don't they're and and i understand you know what I mean? Because there's probably something that they do that they have like 10 different things for. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, you can, I, I've had one mountain bike. 
Yeah. Yeah. For like the last year and a half that I've ridden exclusively. So you can have like an all around trail bike that works for everything you want to do. But let me tell you, when I come home from like riding a couple days in a bike park, like when I came home from my Colorado trip and I hit, I did evolution in Crested Butte or when I came home from Angel Fire this past summer, my bike was making some weird noises because it was not meant to do that. I, I think too, like, yeah, dude, I had one bike for a long time and I, and I'm definitely an advocate for, for people that have the, the single quiver. Mm-hmm. A, there's a cost thing to it, dude, bottom line, but B like it, you can do whatever. I always say it's not the bike, it's the engine. And mm-hmm. any day on the bike is a good day. So get out there and be one, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. But definitely once you start like getting into different things, like for instance, whenever my lady and I first got together, she only had a mountain bike. We we did mountain biking together. And I was like, hey, you should do this, this, uh, this road ride with me. A bunch of people for like, it was like, I don't know if you guys do it back there. They have this thing out here called May is bike month. And you want to try to get a bunch of miles on, on your bike. And you can have like, it's kind of like everybody that's in your group or at your work or whatever, tries to get more miles than other companies or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I was like, Hey, you should come out and ride with us. And she brought her, her, um, her mountain bike out. And at that point I have my single speed. So it's pretty flat where I live. Um, so you could get, you know, a hundred miles on and, and only get like, you know, fucking, 200 feet elevation gain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so I'm riding my, so that's why I bought my single speed. So I could just commute to work on it and burn some calories so I could drink more beer. And um, so she's out there riding this fucking mountain bike and she's just like getting taxed, you know, because those wheels are wide and she's just pedaling her ass off. She's like, man, this fucking sucks. And I was, her and I are, we're pretty close to the same height. She's almost six foot. I'm six two, and I was like, "Here, just get on my bike, give this a shot." And it was like day and night. I mean, you get on a road bike, and you're like, "Holy shit, this thing fucking moves!" You yeah. know. So it, it's definitely like, but you have to, you have to have like. For me, I look at it like there's guys that go out and buy a boat for eighty thousand dollars, and yeah, my God, I don't want to say I have eighty thousand dollars worth of bikes because I don't, but fucking a, I probably would if you let me. You know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or like any, you know, it's funny because like any, there's all those like midlife crisis hobbies or whatever, like motorcycles or boats or like, you know, like classic cars or whatever. And all of those, they're all so much more, you know, it's funny because while I, I, I do think that there's a, a, a really good market for like the budget, budget bikes, like really good beginner intro level bikes, because you need to figure out whether you're going to keep doing that, whether you're going to keep riding a bike and whether you like it before you spend, you know, five to eight grand on a really nice bike. Yeah. But, sure. but other hobbies are not that way. Like we have right. like, our, uh, you know, that's like a gateway drug being like, Hey, let me go buy an $800 hardtail or 600 or whatever it might be. Whereas <laughs> if you go to, if you go to like a, you know, like a classic car lot or something and be like, Hey, can you got a, you got an eight hundred dollar Camaro I can buy? They're like that doesn't exist, or maybe it does, but like you can't buy like a muscle car for that price unless you want to spend eight months in your garage replacing parts of the engine. The the big difference is like what what I just said a minute ago is like it doesn't matter. It, it's not the bike; it's the engine. Mm-hmm. So it's like it actually. 
I have a bike, my, my Bronson, um, long story short, like I got it cheaper, but I mean, it's, if it was brand new when I got it, it would have been close to 10 grand. Right. And the amount of fun that I have on that bike compared to the 12 year old profit that I was using at the time that, you know, was a $2,000 bike that you could buy on Craigslist at that time for 600 bucks, same amount of fun. Like the fun doesn't change. Yep. Like the, you maybe are, are tackling some stuff a little better or a little easier. You got some, you know, like, hey, this, the, 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 the climbing profile on this thing is a little better. But at the end of the day, dude, the amount of grin that you have from the time that you start to the time that you finish, mm -hmm. it doesn't fucking change. Like, like you're only buying that to like, like maybe up your game or to like make yourself feel a little better about it, you know? Because yeah. like, like tell me how many parts have you bought that you thought this was going to change the shit, right? Like the yeah. first time I got like carbon wheels, I was like, dude, I'm going to fucking climb so fast. I'm going to like railing corners. I'm going to be like fucking pink bike, dude. You know, and like you got out there and you did the same thing you did the weekend before. You know? Yeah, the, the only the only exceptions to that would be like, uh, like a different a, a shock that might be a little plusher or something like yeah, that. Or a drop but there's <laughs> and yeah, drop yeah, dropper for sure. But other than that, like you're if you're upgrading parts on your bike, it's you're more or less doing it because it's nicer, or all of those small incremental changes will add up to a better ride, right? right. So, you know. But it, but it's not going to go from like, hey, I did that run in right. 25 minutes and now I did this and now I'm doing it in 15. Mm -hmm. Like It doesn't go that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? The only way that you get to 15 from 25 is fucking sweat equity. You mm -hmm. know, that's it. That's, that's the only way to go about it. Yeah. So what earlier you said that you're doing racing, like, has this been something that you were doing before the prosthetic or once you got the prosthetic you were like oh i want well, i would i would not have done it before um because i i so i did one i think i did i can't remember whether i did one or two races i did a, a race like a cross-country race when i was in high school and i was like in way better shape and it was one of those where you sign up and you have to get this thing called a norba pass which i think is like I don't, I don't, I didn't really understand it then. And I don't understand it now. You basically pay 25 bucks, which allows you to enter a race. It's almost like someone that like has like speaking lines in a film. You have to be a part of like a certain thing to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like know. a special club. Like it's, North American biking something. Yeah. Regional bike. I don't, I don't remember what it stands for, but you used to have to do that. Uh, and so like I, I, when I got back into it, I was like, ah, I, first of all, I'm out of shape and I don't have the lungs to do a cross country race. And a bunch of my buddies were like, oh, you should just go, you should go race enduro. You should come do this race or that race. And I was like, mm, I don't really, cause I remember early on, I remember hearing Alex, I remember watching one of Alex's videos and he said he played like soccer and a bunch of competitive sports and he didn't want his hobby, the thing that he loves to do be about that competitiveness and so someone said well if you go racing enduro it's like super chill it's like not judgy when there's like a podium when there's awards at the end everybody is there and everybody's like eating and drinking and having a good time so i thought well i don't want it to be racing to be about the competitive 
part or for me to like really have that be my primary focus for racing. Um, so I'll just keep that in mind and go enter my first one. And that's exactly what it was. It was like a really great community. Everybody went and raced. Everyone was like, you know, it, it, it is, it's just a, it's like a party one weekend long party every race. So the first one you did, where did you rank at? Uh, I signed up beginner and there were 24 uh, race, racers and beginner men. And I was like 18. So, so a little bit closer to the back end. Recently, yeah. You did another race. Where are you at now? Uh, so uh, when I, when I raced last spring, uh, the one you did, I, I just saw it on your, on your channel. Oh, the series, the series that I just completed. Yes. So there were, there were three races in that series. I was in 30 to 39 men. I was 12th out of not beginner anymore though. Not beginner, just open. Just yeah. so, so like it's anyone anywhere between the age of like, oh, it's, it's 30 to 39, but it's anyone that's like anywhere from like. Like basically, if you win this, you rank up to expert. Okay. Like you, you get pushed up to expert from here. So I'm, I'm in just it's the open event. Yeah, intermediate, intermediate. You bumped up from beginner to intermediate, and and where where did you, where did you show up on this one? There were about between the three races, there were a total of like sixty people, and I got twelfth. Now part of that is just the fact that I registered and showed up for every race. So I'm sure that because you it's you get points for the series. Hey, check this out, dude. I don't give a fuck, dude. Twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it is pretty cool. It feels it feels good. I you know it's funny. Like I I I've never I never dwell on accomplishments for very long before I look to the next step or or the next spot that I want to be. Whether that's with like YouTube, whether that's with my career path, whether that's with just riding and racing. Like that's always how uh, my mind has worked. And so I, I already I'm thinking about, you know, okay, well, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. Thinking about the next steps so that when the next series starts in January, that I can do that much better. So what is it that you feel like, I mean, I mean, obviously the prosthetic changed your game, but was it confidence that came with that? Or like being able to add skill set because of having like a better platform. Like, what was it that made you really jump from the bottom end of the beginner to the higher end of the intermediate? Just just repetition. Like, it's easy. Well, it's easy when you don't run a YouTube channel, but it's also easy when you aren't invested in it. Like I, I was, I had the prosthetic and I was running the YouTube channel. It, it would be really easy for me to be like, well, it, there's, it looks a little cloudy today or it's a little too hot or whatever excuses, or I didn't sleep that much last night. It's really easy to just make excuses for yourself to not go do something. But the fact that I had YouTube pushing me and I had a video schedule and the fact that I had, you know, this prosthetic that I didn't have before, and that I had made a bunch of friends riding and, and at the races, like that's what pushes you to keep doing what you're doing, keep riding, keep spending time in the saddle. Um, I mean, I'm still not in the best shape, but the, the fact that you just keep riding and keep riding and learning new things, progression is gonna come naturally. 
Yeah. yeah. You're going to learn new things just by riding. Dude, the YouTube channel de definitely, definitely pushed you, pushes you. I mean, that mm -hmm. was one of the things that it, if anything that I could like, or not if anything, but one of the things that makes me happy about my channel and part of why I started it was because I was in this like, always doing the same shit kind of mode. You know, there was like three or four places I rode all the time. That was pretty much always it. Every once in a while would be something else. But for the most part, it was like those three or four places. Mm -hmm. And after starting the channel, it was like, it, it gave me this drive to like go other places. And, and I've said this on other podcasts before, and I'll say it again now. If you're considering it, do it if the only reason that you decide to start a YouTube channel is that it makes you go ride other places. That's worth it alone. Like mm -hmm. alone, like all of a sudden I was like, why have I never driven this two hours over to this spot? Why have I never made the, 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 the effort to like organize a couple of people to go ride over here. And it, it really has driven me that way. And so I can definitely, definitely relate with what you're saying there. And I mean, to some extent, even if you're not making content to like review trails or ride new trails, you're, you're, you'll film a ride just to remember it. It's the same way that people go on vacation and they take a camera and film their big family vacations or whatever, right? You're filming your ride to remember, I went here and I did this thing, right? Yeah. And even if you don't share it with anyone, if no one sees it, you're still, you're, you're still you're doing it for yourself. You have a commitment to yourself. Be like, I want, I don't want to forget this. So I'm going to go film this and make a cut of it because I did that before I even started my YouTube channel. I would go out and do like a quick little ride and throw some clips together just so that I can remember what, what I did and I can go back and watch it and be like, Oh yeah, I did that. That's right. Or so that six months later I can be like, Oh, I used to do that. And now look, I can do this. Yeah. I, 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 one of the things that I did say when I started my channel was, even if I get no subscribers, the worst case scenario is I documented my life. Mm -hmm. And just recently I did a video on the channel. It is, uh, I think it's called like 101 reasons to watch this channel. And basically it was clips of 101 videos that I had done to that point, just like little three, four, five second clips of it, maybe 10, 15 seconds, some here. Anyways, it was a, 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 like a conglomeration of all those rides. And I can tell you, since I've made that video, probably 25% of the views are from me, just watching it over and over again, because it's like so much fun to relive all that and to just see it and just be like, oh, dude, that is so cool. Like, look at all these fucking places I went. Look at all this stuff that I did and all those friends that I've made or all those beers that I drank. Like, it's just awesome to do, to, to reflect on, you know? And at the end of the day, I mean, I could get run over by a bus tomorrow. And if that happens, my kids and my family, they could, they could, they could log on to YouTube. Hopefully they subscribe and <laughs> like button and uh, they'll be able to see all that shit though. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They won't have to smash the bell for notifications then. Yeah. No, they won't have <laughs> to. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing is that even if it's not just yourself getting amusement out of it, like it's kind of like, it's almost like you're creating a legacy as like self-serving as that sounds like, like if something were to happen to any one of us tomorrow, our videos aren't going anywhere. Like they're going to be out there and people are still going to watch it. And that's crazy. Like that's, 
That's amazing. Like, bef- like think about it a hundred years ago. What was your legacy? Someone would walk by a graveyard and see a tombstone and know that you're buried there. Now, yeah, because I mean, your, friend, your friends, your family, whatever, like I have hundreds of hours of, of you know, or maybe not hundreds of hours. I don't know how much, a lot of fucking time they could spend watching me be a jackass on a bike and like hearing me laugh and talking about whatever. Like, I don't know if you've ever lost somebody close to you, but but mm-hmm. this is going dark real quick. But yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, you know, it's definitely something that like you'll look back on. And, and even for me, like, let's say nothing happens. And one day I'm 70, I will be able to look at all this and be like, dude, that was, that was fun, man. Yeah. And yeah. Then I'll be talking shit to myself. You should have hit that drop. You <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had a really good question and now I forgot. No, I just remembered. Sweet. Um, so why YouTube dude? Um, so there were a bunch of, so I had been watching a bunch of YouTube channels, you know, everyone, I I feel like a lot of people start with Seth just because he's been doing it the longest out of any of us, but also like Brian and Alex and you and who else was around back then? Like BCPOV was just starting at that point. Jordan Boostmaster has been around for that long. So there are all these YouTube videos and everyone had these, this really nice stabilized footage. And there wasn't a whole lot of that around my local area. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut you off just for a second, dude. I can't believe you just put me in the same freaking sentence as those guys, man. Well, Thank you've been, you've been doing it for like a year and a half, two years, like if not longer, right? Yeah. It's been so you, it's long, you had, you have longevity more than a lot of other channels. Definitely been around for a lot longer than I have. So yeah, I think, I think it's, I, I was seeing all these like videos that were edited really well and stabilized and kind of, even though the GoPro effect effect is real, like you, you, it gives you an idea of what that trail looks like versus like, you know, someone strapping on a hero three and it's just like bouncing all over the place. And that, in fact, that's what I had at first. I had a hero three with no gimbal and it looked like crap. So I thought I can do this. I can, I can, not not necessarily the editing part because I really had no idea how to tell a story or how to make a video or how to edit things. I just knew that if I went to the trail with this nice stabilized gimbal and a GoPro strapped to my chest, I can get that. I can get footage. I won't be doing like crazy jots or jumps or anything, but at least it'll be like footage of my local trails. And I didn't even think about my hand. That wasn't even like a part of the equation when I started my YouTube channel because I didn't have I never really talked about it and I didn't even have a prosthetic or anything. So your idea was like, I'm just going to ride. You're, you're from Austin. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm just going to ride Austin trails and, mm-hmm. and, and put them on the map. Yeah. Yeah. So to, and, and cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of places like when you first start riding, you don't know where to go. You don't know where the trails are. Like you might find out about trail forks. You might find out about some meetup group, but when you first start and you don't know about any of that stuff, YouTube is where you go to find it. Yeah, I mean, when I first started back into writing again, it was about 2006. And um, there was a guy, a local guy that had a, a website and he basically like rode these rides and he had like pictures of like key points and mm-hmm. he would do, like a little story. And I, I remember like reading his like trail descriptions and just being like, oh, okay, yeah. And it was just like so exciting because it was like, wow, I actually like, now have an idea of what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was just amazing. And that, that was part of why I started biker 
Biker actually started as a website before it was a YouTube channel. And, and I think that like what you're saying there though, is like now there's so many people where they're like, they're able to go, go see that, see something new, get an idea of what they're getting into. And, mm -hmm. and I think now you're just seeing like, this is beautiful. Dude. It's beautiful that, that those of us that are in this, like have done this. And now there's like, all these places all over the place that people are doing vi videos where mm -hmm. it's like somebody lives in, in BFE Utah or not BFE like BFE fucking Idaho or something like that, you know? And it's like, Hey, I live in this city and I'm filming these trails. And now the, all those people that live there are like, Oh, I can go there. Or I didn't know that existed. That's awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it's, that it's funny whenever you know how to, it used to be, whenever you wanted to learn how to do something, you would go to, Google search engine, or whenever you wanted to find out information, you would go to, you know, like Google, Bing, Ask Jeeves, whatever, whatever, Alta Vista, whatever your search engine is, you would go there. Ask Jeeves, oh my God, you just did. Remember that? Yeah, but now, but now if I ever want to learn how to do something or learn about something and I need to be able to see it and I want to, I'm a visual person. Yeah. You too. know, I, I, it's YouTube. Yeah, yeah. YouTube is a search engine for so many people. And if you want to go find your local trails rather than type in my city mountain biking into Google and then hoping, hoping that maybe uh, trail forks or something comes back, you go to YouTube and type that same search query in and you find video of what you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, even if you go to trail forks now, I mean, it's like they're, they're tagging the videos that we're making right there on that. So you can go look at this little section of like, you know, whatever, one, two, three downhill. And you're like, oh, I, I want to see what the one, two, three downhill is. And you're looking at the elevation change and how long it is. And then right mm -hmm. there on the bottom is that there's a video you can click it mm -hmm. on. Yeah, that's, that. It, it's definitely, um, it, it's definitely an amazing world that we live in. Yeah. You know, just here, here's the one that I trip out on all the time let's just say like 15 years ago when you were sitting around with your buddies and you're getting drunk and you're like, dude, remember that movie with freaking with Morgan Freeman in it. And he was like a magician. Like what was that movie? And then you guys would sit there for fucking 30 minutes, just being drunk, laughing at each other, trying to remember the name of that fucking movie. And now you're like, boom, you just type it in Morgan Freeman, magician movie. And then Harry got it. You know, like now you see me or whatever that was called, you know, yeah. it's like, it's just crazy the, the the access to information that we yeah. have. Yeah, yeah. And the funny the funny thing is is like, I, I hate to say it that we use it like we kind of trick people into going to places. But I love nothing more than when I film a trail, and people watch it and they're like, "Oh, that looks like fun. I'll go do it." And then they go and ride there, and then they're like, "Oh shit!" Like I I like making my stabilized footage make the bar look really low and having someone get out there because that means that I accidentally just challenged that person. And that, that makes me so stoked. At the end of the day, man, what you're talking about right there is the GoPro effect. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is so real and, and, and it is not something that I can explain to anybody unless you've watched the video. Like you have to either watch a video and then go try to ride that trail or make your own video and know when you got home and you edit it, what it looked like. It's fucking ridiculous. And yeah. I can't tell you how many people 
like I actually did a video with the guy that was just getting into riding not too long ago. And on the video, he was like, dude, I was sitting at work freaking on my chair. Like this shit looked easy. Oh, I can do that. I can do that. And then he's like, you know, look at Robert. He's a fucking fat ass. There's no way. And they're like, look at that dude. I mean, if he can do yeah. it, he can definitely do it. And then he's yeah. like, dude, that shit was intense, man. You know? Yeah. Well, I even know about GoPro effect and it still gets me. Like Brian was here last week and I took him to some of the toughest trails that I, that I know about here because I know he likes to be challenged. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to take him to the gnarliest shit. And I'm gonna, he's going to ride it, and and he's I'm I'm can't wait to see what he has to say about it. So we're out, we're out somewhere riding, and it's like super steep, really well, back loose. Up, back up, just for the people listening. When you're saying Brian, you're talking about BKXC. So yeah, yeah, uh, a big big popular YouTube channel. If you guys don't listen to it, or you're just listening to podcasts, you don't you're not in the YouTube game. He, he he's he travels the world, like literally yeah. the world, riding the best trails. He's like one of like the most humble disciplined bikers that i know probably if I had so you to. get him out there so i get him out there and i'm taking him down what i consider to be like the toughest stuff we have and i'm talking to him about italy which he just he he had a trip like two trips before he came to austin he went to italy and i was like so what is this is this like uh how does this rank in terms of italy because i watched his italy trip and i'm like oh that looks fun i think i could that, i could probably do that stuff and he's like and he said something like well, it's kind of, it's kind of like it. It's a little steeper maybe, or, or Italy is a little steeper than here. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Like the GoPro effect gets me and I even know that it exists. And I have, you know, I acknowledge that it exists and I know what it looks like, but I, it still trips me up. Oh yeah. Hands down, dude. I, I, I will say that when I see a video and I look at it like BC POV shit a lot where I'm like, oh my God, that is steep. And I know in my head that if I'm thinking, oh my God, that is steep, it is ridiculous. Yeah. It is like, ridiculous. <laughs> like Windrock. Windrock, that 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 upper, what is it, horse, something, dark horse or something. The thing that like uh Seth and uh Seth Spike Hacks and single track sampler went down and it was like really steep and they kept wrecking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or That's even, or even the horse thief bench that uh, RC and uh, Outdoor Gold and the Crashing Dad did. Like I'm like, oh man, those ledges look pretty big. Horse face is the one in Windrock. That's right. But like the horse thief bench that uh, Outdoor Gold and Crashing Dad went to, and I'm like, oh, those look pretty steep. And then I'm like, oh, those are probably freaking huge, and it's probably really exposed. Yeah, and you're looking at that rock, the rock rolls, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look that bad. I see the line right there. Yeah. And you know if you were standing there, though, you'd be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. They, they just, they they turn this shit up, you know? Because <laughs> I think that same section's where, like, Seth went through, and he, like, threw his bike over the fucking side. He was oh, like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And Seth is a badass rider. Like, there was no, like, mm. doubt how good of a rider he is. If you guys haven't seen that video that we're talking about, Outdoor Gold's channel, is it uh, Horse Thief? He just did one just the other day about it. And it yeah. had this like cheesy ass 80s music on it. And he does this like awesome freaking like uh, intro to it. And it yeah. is such a fun video. If you guys don't, don't or haven't been to Outdoor Gold's channel, I will hopefully remember to put it in the uh, the show more. Um, go there. If not, just search Outdoor Gold. You can't fucking miss it, dude. Yeah. 
Yeah, both the both the his and Shane's video, I identified so much with it because they both cleaned that section after like they they both wrecked multiple times. And at the end, they were all like, oh, standing up, running around, and everybody ran down and like like group hug, whatever. And I'm like, I've done that. And it's you get such a rush off of that. You'd like even taking out all the music, any theatrical effect. When someone cleans something that you were like watching them do for the first time and they do it, you get super stoked. Or when it's you, you get incredibly stoked. I'll tell you, like you cannot, no matter I, I, I don't I don't even think the best actor in the world can like reproduce that sound in your voice when you are that fucking stoked. You know what I mean? When they're just like when when somebody cleans something like that, like like when Alex single track sampler went over that, um, there was like a rock roll that he did. I think it was like Moab or something like mm -hmm. that that he had fucked himself up on. Like that sound in his voice, or the crashing dad when he cleaned that that section. Like that sound in their voice is just so like like you hear all the emotion in it. You're yeah. Like, there's yeah, and no a lot way. of a lot of times it sounds like. Like they were they were in the back seat while it was happening to them. Do you know right. what I mean? Like it seems yeah. like they're observing it. That like they can't believe that they just did it as much as you can't believe that they just did it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So <clears throat> the reason that you started the YouTube channel was like kind of bring Austin to the map. Mm -hmm. How has that changed since then? Well, once. You know, it started to change when I rode with Joseph for the first time. Uh, trail features for everybody else. Like, you you know him, and you know that he likes, he's really good at telling a story. Like, he's really good at doing the video production end of things. And so when I, when he interviewed me, and I think that was, like, when I was in the middle of getting fitted for my prosthetic, and he was like asking me questions about like how I ride and everything or like similar to like the questions that you were asking earlier. That was when it clicked in my head where I was like, oh, oh, there's there's something there. There's something there beyond I just want to go film out, film these trails. Like I'm so naive that I wake up every day with one hand that I don't think that other people might find it interesting. So that was when I started to pivot things and be like, all right, I'm going to this is going to be a part of it. This is going to be a part of the channel. Like my progression, I'm getting the prosthetic, like I'm gonna talk about it. This is this is gonna be a part of my channel's growth. Instead of just ignoring it. Yeah, instead of it just being like trail, 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 trail. Now it's like, I went and had this appointment or now I'm gonna go back and hit this trail that I hit before or now I'm gonna go enter this race and be the only person there with a prosthetic anything. You know, like I didn't even consider like that that was something people might want to watch. So I'm going to ask you this question and then I'm going to fucking run out to the bathroom real quick because I am having some, uh, I broke the seal earlier, had a little issue with that. I know the answer to this question. So I'm going to let you talk about it for All a right. minute while I'm gone. So this is the deal. I want you to explain to people how much anxiety that you had about potentially starting Patreon with your channel and how much value that's brought to you. Okay. Uh, 
so yeah, I started Patreon probably before. If anyone doesn't know what Patreon is, it's where it's almost like a recurring subscription that supports people that have YouTube channels or have anything really. They can have any sort of product that they offer or anything that they offer to a group of people. Uh, in our case, it just happens to be YouTube. I'm going to sneeze. So anyway, I started a Patreon probably sooner than a lot of people just because I wanted my channel to be something sustainable. I wanted it to be uh, something that I just wasn't constantly dumping money into. Um, so I started Patreon and it hurt me at the beginning because all the people that were commenting on my videos on every video and watching every video, suddenly they their interactions with me were happening off platform. We were having like threads on Patreon and they were watching my patron cut videos or like like my my advanced and longer videos on Patreon and then commenting there instead of on YouTube. So YouTube kind of like dinged me a little for that a little bit. But now Patreon is great because I have a community and you have you have your Patreon and a bunch of our friends have their own Patreon accounts and we all kind of subscribe to each other. Like we have our patrons and our patrons tell us things. I, I put up polls there like, do you guys want to see more of this? Or do you guys want to, um, like the other day I followed your lead and I put up, uh, I had a, I had some uh, Dekine 40% off friends and family coupon codes that they sent me. So I put those in there and I don't, I don't, I haven't even checked to see whether they're gone. And I said, you know, I, I set Patreon to be like in three days, make this public. But until then only people that are my patrons. So, so you're trying to bring value to them, you know, so that yeah. maybe you're paying a buck a month or whatever it is, but Hey, you could save, you know, 40, 50 bucks here, yeah. whatever. And maybe like make it a wash for them. Yeah. And the funny thing is, cause I've talked about, I've talked about this with you is that we're constantly thinking about like, oh my God, we have to make it worth it for these people. These people are giving us actual money. Like we're not, we're it's not relying. Monopoly money. Yeah, well, like we're not, we're not, instead of being like, all right, just put one of our playlists on repeat and play it and we'll get maybe like a fraction of a penny from that playlist going through once. Like these people are saying, I'm gonna give you, even if it's a dollar a month, they're gonna give you a dollar a month for an unknown number of months, every month. And so I always feel like super obligated to really, provide as many as many benefits or as many things that they I think they would enjoy as possible. But it's we've both talked about at the end of the day, people want to support you because they like your personality and they like what you're doing. So I, it's, I think what you're what you're saying there is kind of kind of what what I wanted to hear from you. I'm a, I'm gonna lead you a little bit. Okay. So um when you were considering doing Patreon, you were at maybe what? little over a thousand yeah between a thousand fifteen hundred probably and and were you thinking there's no way that people are going to want to pay for me i just thought it was gonna i thought it was too soon i thought yeah yeah that's that's basically what i thought and i also was busting my ass on the channel and i thought i don't know how i could add more work to this like so in hindsight do, do you would you tell yourself dude just get your shit together just just do it. Just create a Patreon and then the people that already watch every video or already comment on everything, 
now they're going to get to do it two days earlier or whatever your turnaround might be. And you can, because at that point I didn't have community. Not a lot of us had the community tab. So there was no way for us to interact with our people Aside other than Instagram. And that's what sucks is like you're using Instagram or, or Facebook and you're like, hey, I want to tell everybody I'm going on a ride tomorrow and I want to see if anybody wants to go. And the only way you have is Instagram. And let's just say, 10% maybe of your people are yeah. on Instagram and they may not even be the people that are local. And but so even then, even then you have to post a picture, which you might not, you like sometimes on my Patreon, I, we talk about serious stuff. We talk about things like that. I'm anxious about things that I'm like, you know, that I really, cause you know that I overanalyze a lot of things and I'm constantly thinking about, you know, like, Am, am I am I offending someone or am I like doing something that's not cool or am I alienating somebody? And so on Patreon is where I'm like, hey, everyone be real with me. And they and they will. We'll talk about we'll have like real discussions about things. No, I mean, I put rough cuts up on mine and sometimes I'm like, hey, guys, I'm thinking this and tell me like, yeah. you, how do you feel about that? Or mm -hmm. Hey, I use this thumbnail for this video. Tell me if you think that thumbnail actually fucking makes sense, you know? And mm -hmm. because you guys, you guys are a my fans, but on the other hand, you guys are my friends. That's the way mm -hmm. I look at it. Everybody mm -hmm. that subscribes to my channel is one of my friends. And, yeah, and I and the way that I tr I would like respond to my friend is to be honest, and I would want them to be as well. Like so, I feel like with that group of people that you can be like, hey man, um, let me know what you think, even if it might hurt my feelings. And sometimes they have, you know? And, but I appreciate that because yeah. that's what I'm fucking looking for because these are my friends, right? So my friends, I wanna be able to ask you a question and get an honest answer. Yeah, and not only that, you you don't have to deal with being buried in some algorithm of YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, your Patreon, are people that come specifically looking for your content, right? So you don't have to worry about like whether Patreon thinks this other thing is more relevant to them than the thing you want to ask them or that you want to share with them. Yeah, so you yeah. don't have to worry about that. It's, it's a direct line of communication. Yeah, definitely. So um, how has, has Patreon helped like motivate you more? Yeah, it's helped me really think about my audience a lot more. Like it, it's really forced me to be like, because I'm trying to bring value to them, it's forced me to think about the rest of my audience and the, and everybody, you know, other people or even people that don't subscribe to me yet, but might randomly happen across my video. It's helped me think about like what, why should they watch my video or what should they walk away from my video thinking, right? So like just thinking about those core group of people has helped me with my overall general audience. So when you first started your channel, you prob probably were just doing a bunch of POV like the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that a natural progression is like starting to learn how to tell a story mm -hmm. because I think that story is like what's really, it sounds so cliche to say, but it's really what fucking like keeps people. Like I always say like mountain biking is what get somebody to your page for the first time but that story that like personal relationship with yeah what keeps them so in the story making process 
do you feel like it's made your channel like harder to create content or do you feel like just like from working through like the punches that you've learned how to tell a story better? Well, I also, so I, I do web development full time. Like that's, I already work in like the world of internet or whatever. So I knew that there was more to YouTube than just putting a bunch of clips and then maybe throwing some like EDM or some, some music over it or whatever. But I, I never thought, I never thought that I would ever be doing something like that. But as I'm, as I'm growing, I'm realizing that I'll ride a kick-ass trail and put together what I think is a pretty good video of a lot of really cool things that I did during that ride. But in the end, some of my best videos or some of my best received videos barely have any writing in it because it becomes about the story and they be it becomes about the, you know, like the dialogue between you and your audience instead of, oh, I just sent this ledge or whatever it might be. So last week I, I released a video that um, <laughs> it's even in the show more that I wrote. I expected the video to completely bomb because um, it wasn't super happy through a lot of it. And typically like I've noticed that, you know, you're being a downer maybe people are like i don't really want to hear that i'm here to be entertained mm -hmm. and, and i and i remember feeling like i i made this video because it really captured how i felt like the story was how i felt and i thought for sure that thing was just going to take a shit. and it has actually done better than than most of my videos in like the yeah. last three or four months so it, i think you know that that speaks to the story yeah, and so that's that's what I was directly referencing. You and I both had videos like that this week, and it's so funny. And then RC and Shane both had videos like that, like last week. Yeah, it was like like we all got together on Slack and we're like, okay, everybody, yeah. it's yeah. emotional week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like mine, mine. I like wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make a video out of it because I didn't even make it through. Like I only filmed two of the six stages. Cause I wrecked you like camera mess up or it was raining or something. I like wrecked that. and it was raining. And I'm like, I only have a third of this race film. Like, how can I make something out of this? How can I make a full normal, like, you know, eight to 15 minute video out of this. And then I was like, well, what happened? How did I feel like the same way yours, yours was like, you just feeling like you were getting punished. And then all of a sudden you hit a, you hit a, you came to a familiar part of the trail or you had a turn and it just flipped like it, your your mood flipped and suddenly you were like ho hollering and getting being excited about riding and taking sketchy lines that you hadn't even tried before and 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 that's what makes your video and the fact that it's real for the first half of it because yeah. we don't all go out and ride like we're not we're not like a small fraction of people that ride mountain bike are pros right or like really fucking good yeah, or any yeah, any anything more than amateur, right? So that's the thing I think that at least I beat myself up with a lot. And I would imagine you can probably relate is like you're riding something and you're like, you want this to look cool. You know, <laughs> like you want you, you at the end of the day, you don't want people to be like, This guy's a fucking dipshit, you know? And so like you're riding in it, and when you get in your head like that, you're like, 
Oh God, dude, I'm like shit in the bed right now. And you know, the GoPro effects in like 150% at that point. And you're like, this is not, this is not going to play out well. I know this is not going to play out well. Oh, I was leading you there so I could go get another beer, but apparently I oh, you were, you were leading <laughs> another statement. Dang. It's okay, man. So now that, that I, I got another beer, I can just keep fucking talking. <laughs> So, um, in, in the story, story making process or no better, better than that, let, let's say out of the videos that you've done so far, what are like, what's the one that comes to mind that you're like the proudest of? Um, this, this past week was pretty good. I say, you know, I hate to, I hate to, every time somebody asks me, the best video is always like the last one or like, yeah. <laughs> like well, the funny you thing is, is like, I, I hate, I hate capitalized. I, I wreck a lot. I still wreck a lot. Even that, even as I'm figuring out better ways for myself to ride, I'm still pushing myself hard enough that I just, or even sometimes when I'm standing still on my bike, something will happen and I'll just fall over. But yeah. I, I hate feeling like I'm being like clickbaity or whatever with a video. But anytime that I wreck, and I get up and I keep riding. Those are the videos with the best story. That's just how it works. I mean, well, you overcome something, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like some here's here's some some things happen. Here's some conflict, and here's the resolution. It's always well, I just ate shit, and then I got back up and kept going. Have you got a, a message or an email from somebody? Maybe a letter that somebody sent you about what you've done on your channel that just really kind of made you think about oh my god i have a lot of impact um people people will say that on most videos where i talk about my prosthetic a lot they'll be like dude you're such an inspiration and i'm terrible at like taking compliments or whatever so i'm just always like thanks thanks maybe here's a praying hand emoji like i thank them for it but i think the thing that i'm always the most blown away by is when someone Re another person that's like an adaptive athlete or another person with some sort of disability reaches out to me and tells me their story. Um, and it's always someone that's like, like this guy, I think he's in, he was in Honduras or Dominican Republic or somewhere in Central America. And he made his own prosthetic by heating up two liter soda bottles and, and forming them around his arm. And I'm just like, what the hell man? Like, Anytime someone reaches out to me and they're like, hey, I am doing this because I saw your channel and their life is like 10 times harder than mine. I'm like, well, shit, like I'm glad I'm glad. But like you're the person that should be the inspiration to other people, not me. Do you know right. what I mean? Like that's that that always like resets my, you know, it's a, it's a different playing field altogether. It really, really changes the way that I think about my life and my channel and everything. You know, it, it's, it's easy to say, to remember that there's always somebody that ha has it harder than you. Mm -hmm. but when it slaps you in the face, it's definitely like, oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. There's and a guy in California that doesn't have, he had, he was an electrician and he got like, he got electrocuted or something and he doesn't have either of his hands. And so he rides with two prosthetics and he has some sort of something I don't know how he does. I have no idea. 
But I'm like, dang, man, why does that guy need a YouTube channel? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would watch I would watch the hell out of it out of that trying to figure out how he does things and how he's progresses and stuff. I don't even know the dude's name. I think Tony MTV Dropin might know him, but so you're uh still riding the high tower? Mm-hmm. That's a twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a twenty niner. Uh, I ride a large. It's like one thirty five, one forty. What made you go twenty niner? Uh my hardtail was a twenty niner. Um, I mean, when I had a bike, my, my bike that I had when I was a kid or when I was in high school was 26 inches. And when I bought my hardtail, they were like, Oh, like 20, this was like 2014. So like people were really not sure how they felt about 29ers yet. Yeah. The wheel size was like the whole wheel size. The backle was like in full fucking force. Right? Yeah. It was there. People were really split, really polarized on whether 27.5 or 26 or 29. So I, I had a rock hopper, a specialized rock hopper 29. And I was, and it was, I, I was prepared for it to like, be really difficult to ride and it and it to some extent it was but i was surprised with the the rolling power and what i was able to just go over with my front suspension and things that i was pre- mentally preparing myself to be like jarred and i would just roll over it and so that sold 29ers to me so um why santa cruz then uh the shop that i went to carried yeti and the price point on the Yeti was way out for me. Um, they carried Shrek. In fact, there's some guys out in Colorado. They hate Yeti. And then there's <laughs> some in Colorado that really like it. Yeah, they're called a tri- Yeah, that's why they're called the Yeti tribe. Right? So, so so much. You fucking shit on the Yeti and you're like, you're like, what was it that grabbed you about that bike? Why was it that you wanted to buy that one? I grew up I, like I also skateboarded when I was younger, and so Santa Cruz, the 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 brand itself, like resonated with me. Um, I actually I was planning on buying a full suspension for a long time, and there was a Trek Fuel X Eight, I think, that was a 2016 model that I was going to buy, and it was on sale for like 3,500. And they were like, "Yep, it's first come, first serve. Here it is." And so I went out there, and it was a large. It was my size and everything. And, and by the time I got there, they had sold it and it was gone. Oh, that's so I, I had already gotten approval from the, from the wife for like a $3,500 mountain bike. And so I went back and I was like, it's gone. And I still want a bike just as more now than I did before. Right. So, <laughs> like, like you lost something, right? Was so close. And then I lost it. And she was like, well, just buy the bike that you want Buy the bike that you're going to ride and, and it's going to make you happy. And so I, I rode the high tower around the parking lot. I didn't even take it to the trail. Uh, and I just like cornered with it and and like, and I didn't have a prosthetic, so I wasn't even that skilled of a rider then, but I, it felt, it felt like a good fit. This felt right. Yeah, it felt right. So it meant something now. That's interesting to hear. I mean, cause like, I, I totally can relate with what you're saying there. I mean, that's, we were having a conversation earlier about like branding your channel, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that just that brand recognition could be enough just to push you over. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of guys that go out and maybe the first bike that they bought was some hardtail that was a bottom of the line or something like that. 
And just because they had fun on that bike, when they go back, they're like, I'm buying that brand again. Yeah, yeah. It's, why I, it's why I looked at when I first started riding again and I bought that hardtail, I was looking at KHS full suspensions, not because I knew anything about how well they were constructed or anything. I just knew that I had it when I was a kid. And so it, that branding, like that sentimentality, like stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, no, it to totally, totally is that way. When I bought, when I got back into riding, I went into the shop and um, it was like, they had this one bike, I think it was a specialized. It was probably like a, uh, it, it was one of the specialized, the full suspension, like stump jumper or something like mm -hmm. that. And that was like the new year model. And then, but you know, like the new year model is always more expensive than the last year's model that mm -hmm. they're trying to get rid of. And there was a last year's model of a Cannondale profit. And um, that was like, you got more bang for the buck because it was like marked down. And when I rode both the bikes, they both felt good. But that Cannondale Prophet had a lefty on it, which looked weird as fuck. But there was that guy that I was talking about earlier that was in our group back in the 90s that mm -hmm. had a full suspension bike. It was a Cannondale. Mm -hmm. and so it was like that kind of was in my head. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was a really good bike. That was like the best bike. that. Yeah. And the thing that really like made me pull the trigger on it was the new bike had, or the, the Cannondale had hydraulic brakes and the other one had like mechanical brakes. Mm -hmm. And those hydraulic brakes were just so fucking good that it was like, oh wow. That like, that is like something yeah. that I could like tangibly feel for a guy that hadn't ridden in mm -hmm. a long time. Like this is better, you know? And, and that, that was really what did it. And I love that bike, man. It was yeah. So there, I remember Cannondale, everyone would like, everyone geeked out so hard on Cannondale because they used to have like those fat ass welds. Like the welds were like really puffy and it was like the beefy bike that if you had enough money, you would buy. Yeah. It's sad to see that that company has like, I hate to say this. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it just is not what it was before. You know, they used to be all American made. And I think whenever they got bought out by whoever the conglomerate was like, mm -hmm. They're still making good bikes. If you're riding a Cannondale, you're not in the wrong. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But it's definitely like something's lost. And, and I, I can't put a finger on it, but it's definitely like, it's kind of like Mongoose, dude. Like when we were kids back in the day, dude, like you would have, you would have beat somebody out and took their shoes for a fucking Mongoose decade, bro. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was the BMX bike to have. And now it's like, you say Mongoose and people are like, oh yeah, they sell them at Walmart. Yeah. yeah. Or GT. GT was another another big brand back then. And they're making a comeback now, but they were dead for a while. A couple of those brands are coming back. I mean, Diamondback yeah. now working working with Seth. I think they're they're doing the right thing. Haro. I saw them mm -hmm. at Interbike. I was like, they're still around? I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. They're but huge here. They're they're like the BMX bike of choice. Like all the all the bike shops here carry Haro. But I'm I mean, I'm talking even mountain bike. Like you go look at them. Oh, if you guys are on a budget, look, think of the bikes. If you're in my age range, you know, 35, 45, something like that. Like if you're on a really budget, go look at the bikes that you remember being badass when you were a kid. And right now they're, they're putting out some, like most of their bills are on the lower end of price wise compared to like these boutique bikes that like Santa Cruz or Yeti or whatever. But the bills are fucking legit, man. Yeah. And, at the end, 
excuse me, at the end of the day right now, these bikes are good. You know what I mean? So it, yeah. you will get what you pay for. If you pay 16, 1700 bucks for a bike, like you're going to get a $1,600, $1,700 bike. But those companies, I feel like, are putting a little bit more value into that because they're trying to rebuild their brand. Yeah, Fuji. Fuji is another one. Like I, Fuji was one that was like almost like borderline Walmart uh, type of bike. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It was just not a boutique brand. And now they have like like Brian's friend uh, Lauren Greg runs their race team, and she's a former racer. My buddy Jimmy races for Fuji. Uh, like they have like a, a a really nice enduro race team right now. That's funny. I didn't know that about them. Honestly, I always thought Fuji was one of those like boutique brands. They're not. I don't. I'm, my all I knew is that my mom my mom had a Fuji hardtail, and Fuji made road bikes for a while. And I my understanding was that they were like the Nishiki, like the lower end. Oh, yes. So I never knew anything about Fuji. So whenever I heard the name, I was like, oh, yeah, must, must be good because I've never heard of them. So they're probably like special. <laughs> yeah. Well, now now I think they I mean, they have an, they have a really nice enduro. I mean, they have an enduro race team and I think they have really nice enduro bikes, supposedly. So yeah, it's I funny. I think I think that if you go out and you buy any bike right now, like yeah. I like the, the what you're going to get what you paid for. No matter what, whatever your budget is, spend that. Don't feel like you need to go out and spend more. You know, like don't feel like you need to break the bank. Like the 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 extra parts that you're going to get for another five hundred bucks are either going to a break because it's mountain biking or b not make a fucking difference. So yeah. like just get what you can afford and go ride. Mm -hmm. And then once you're riding, then you'll know. Hey, I do I do like this or I don't like this. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like. Dude, buy anything. Whatever your budget is, buy it. And then well, like you said, it's the engine. It's not. Yeah. It's yeah, it's totally the engine, man. I mean, I've I I still ride with some guys that are riding bikes that are like 15 years old that will fucking wax me. Yeah. And, you know, like yeah, or like you go you go out on your like mid travel full suspension bike and some older dude with a pot belly on a full rigid just blasts by you and you're like, well, okay. Yeah, and it's a single speed and you're like, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh, it's clearly <laughs> not the several thousand dollar bike that I have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That That is the truth for sure. So where do you want to see your channel go, dude? Oh, man, people have been asking me that lately. Um, you know, like when you do business, you're always supposed to have yeah, like a five-year plan. Yeah. I don't have an end game. I'll say that. I, I, that that's my problem too. Is like I I honestly like I am so like what you said earlier, focused on just the next goal that I really haven't done enough. Like I haven't taken the time to sit down and think about the long game. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I read this book called The Motivation Myth, and that's that's the same. They they kind of address that like. If you set if you set a goal of I'm gonna do this thing by this certain time or or at the end of the before I die I'm gonna do this thing you're you're gonna disappoint yourself you're only gonna do a fraction of the things that you wanted to do by any certain timeline but if, if you if you make it like too outlandish I think yeah yeah like like it wouldn't it would be feasible like if you had told me last year that I'd have five thousand 
subscribers by the end of 2018, I'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. I don't. Yeah, know. you okay. would like. I knew you right, last right. And you, you, I told you when you and I first, I think I did a live stream with you to help you get to a thousand so you could get monetized. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was telling you at the time, you will catch up to me, dude. Like your content is good. Your mindset is right. You have like, you have, your shit is lined up. You will catch up to me. Where are you at right now? Uh, like 5,600, 5,700 or yeah. something. What the fuck up? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was, I didn't, so yeah. So the, my point is like you set things and even with YouTube, you don't set things that are specific to numbers on YouTube. You set things like I'm going to do one video a week every week for 52 weeks or i'm gonna if if it has to do with just bike riding i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna clean one feature that i didn't the last time i rode there or i'm gonna go and get one pr on strava for one of the 30 segments for this ride like you you don't set these big goals that are unattainable because you have to take the small incremental steps to get there so you do the little things to get you to where you want to be yeah. Like if you had told me, hey, you're going to finish an enduro series this year as the only rider with one hand in the field and you're going to place 12th out of over 50 riders, 60 riders, however many there were, I'd have been like, oh, bullshit. There's no way, dude. You, you would have against yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, I, <laughs> but, I, but if you had said, hey, you are going to go out and pre-ride and you're going to try this section that you didn't that you walked before or you're going to go out and you're going to go um try to pr this one this one stage of the race just by put or you're going to put in these extra two pedal strokes before you go and go down this really steep in, uh incline whatever whatever it might be like you take those baby steps and eventually those things incrementally make you get you to where you didn't think you were going to get to so if you were going to rub your crystal ball, what, what, where would you be at this time next year? Uh, this time next year, I'm going to have 52 more videos. <laughs> That's what I'll tell you. No, where, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to, where would you like to be? Whether it's subscribers, whether it's like community, whether it's like in your, how you're building your story. Yeah. What, what, would you, where would you like to see like yourself just more polished or like, what is it that you are striving for? I'd like to do more than just a POV story. Um, I'd like to actually, cause I'm starting to script some things. When I do voiceovers now, I, I type it up in Evernote and then I do the voiceover to match. And then I shape the story of the trail around it. But I'd like to do more things that are not like I'm starting to get into reviews. I'm starting to get, I'd, I'd like to, f because I want it to be a creative outlet, right? I'm, I'm partially, you know, it's partially like a, a, a notebook of like the trails I've ridden, but I'd like for it to be more than that. Like I'd like for it to be like, I'm doing these things or I, I'd like to do some of these like really funny, they call them tent pole videos. But things where I just do like off the wall things and it's scripted and I write write a script and then execute on it and make it a funny video, right? I think you definitely have the humor down. I mean, I, I, I've told you this, you know, 
plenty of times before, like your terrible technician series, I think is freaking out. Uh, it's awesome. If you guys haven't watched um, No Front Breaks channel, definitely check out his terrible technician videos. He did one recently with a PNW dropper. It was freaking hilarious. Like just like spot on, dude. I, yeah. I think that you're, you're, you definitely have a great sense of humor and it comes out. And the more that you're learning how to articulate that in your story, the better it's coming out. Yeah. All, and all of that stuff bleeds over into the trail videos too. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then you start to notice like there, there's a way to still make it show the trail and be entertaining for the trail aspect, but also to like, kind of drive that along because at the end of the day dude I, dude i use that comp, comp that that saying all the time i think what it comes down to is that we have no experience at making videos or telling a story or entertaining people outside of casual conversation before mm -hmm. we start doing youtube and as you start doing it we're actually like for lack of a better term like building a resume of experience and so now here it is me with two years of editing and two years of storytelling and two years of seeing what failed and what, what, what did well. Now I'm really starting to learn that. And it's yeah. like, it's ridiculous. Like when I watch TV now, I actually watch how they like transition between cuts and yeah. I like how they like came into the scene. And I'm like, this is like, fucking ruining tv yeah yeah and it's funny in the past like three to six months i can't tell you how many times i've used this phrase it's really cool how they used fill in the blank as a storytelling device yeah like shut up about storytelling devices just watch tv and enjoy it yeah katie and i'll be watching something and you know like let's just say it's something like intense like uh like house of cards or something like that and i'll be like oh wow and she'll be like, what? Like she missed something. And I'm like, did you see how they panned up the stairs whenever they she's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, no, it was really cool. Like, and I'm thinking, how did they get the camera to do that? And I'm like, just like totally not in the story at all. They're like, it's the ADD in me, but it's like I am yeah. paying attention to it. Or you watch something and you're like, they just did something cool there. Was that a J cut or an L cut? <laughs> like, shut up. They did something, you know, just move on to the next thing, keep watching it and be amused. But yeah, that's that's what I want to do in the next year. I'd like to keep growing my Patreon community because those not not only because that helps my channel become more sustainable, but those are the people like they're like your core. They're 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 your core people. Like like Brian BKXC always says, like you if you just create your content your people are going to find you, right? And so I don't really push my Patreon ever. I just say, hey, it's there. I mention it every now and then, but I don't ever like have like a like a big strong campaign to go get a whole bunch of new people. I haven't changed my tiers a whole hell of a lot since I started it. Like your people are going to find you. And I, so I'd like to keep building that community because they give me a lot of great feedback. And those are the people that are the most familiar with my content. So they're the best people to give me advice on what I should be doing. Um, but I'd also like to keep, keep getting into that, like uh, having a good narrative in my story and building things that are feel like they're more produced instead of here's another 
set of clips from point A to point B. Yeah, I know. I hear you there. And like speaking to the Patreon thing, it's like, it is tough to ask people to freaking give you money. I know. I know. Like, one of the things that I am going to start doing and all of you guys, I'm okay with getting roasted on this, but I, for a long time would never say like, and subscribe in my videos. And I just, I hate it. I hate it when people tell me that I hate it when I watch videos say that it just gets under my fucking skin i'm like yeah i get it i watch youtube i know how it works <laughs> but this is the thing man that really that hitting the button of liking it so you guys are listening right now better hit the like button hitting that button of the, the liking or hitting that button to subscribe that unfortunately is really fucking motivating yeah you know, like if you get on your channel and you have, you know, watched over three videos that you spent God knows how much time on and your subscriber counts not going up or you made that one video and you really were happy about it and it has like 10 likes out of like 3000 views, you're like, well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not doing well. And they're like, it is so easy to just beat yourself up on these like algorithm kind of stats, you know? Mm -hmm. and, well, I'm shame. I'm shameless about that part of it because it doesn't cost anybody any money. So whatever, I'll, I'll say it, but I, I won't, it's hard. It's, it's also hard for me. And you're probably in the same boat when you, when you say I have this Patreon, you can come check it out. If you feel like, like it's hard for me to really like put steam behind that because I have friends that, you know, like Brian and Alex, like Seth, uh, BCPOV, Lone Ranger, like there are people whose livelihood is like part of their action. Like I'm just hoping to have a Patreon just so I can, you know, pay for like epidemic sound for music or for my cloud hosting or for like the little, some of the props that I use. I went to Home Depot twice today to buy little gadget, little pieces of hardware so to film this next video. But there are people whose like lives and families are based off of their Patreon. So who am I to be like, Oh yeah, I have a full-time job. I have a family and a house or whatever, but I have a full-time job. So, you know, come give me a dollar a month or whatever, where there are people that I really, you know, I, I want, I want people to, to do to give money monthly to my friends as much as I would like them to. You know, you know what I do in that aspect is I, I am on Patreon for like, at this point, probably like five, six, seven, eight other people. So mm -hmm. I feel like, I can't ask somebody else to do something that I wouldn't do. Yeah. So I do it myself and hopefully other people are, are like, they look at that, like go to anybody's Patreon page. If you're, if you're thinking about it, go to their Patreon page. It'll show you right there. If they are supporting anybody else, if they're mm -hmm. not supporting anybody else personally, I would consider not fucking putting money to them because yeah. it's like, you're going to ask me to do something that you're not willing to do yourself like that to me just seems a little 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 back-ended to me but um I, hopefully i'm not stepping on somebody that's a good friend of mine's feet right now if i am hey i still feel that way you know but like at, at the end like oh god i don't want to say it again I almost said it again <laughs> um but but i think that this is the deal you're putting probably a full time's job of hours into what you're doing. And 
if you have a tier on Patreon that's a buck, that yeah. makes a huge difference when you're a guy that is like, let's just call ourselves D-listers. Like, you know, that buck a month that somebody could do on Patreon, if you're giving them <sighs> and stuff like that, that are helping like, like circumvent that like cost to them, like that's going to make a huge difference because we're not getting a hundred thousand views. You know, we're not, yeah. we're not the YouTube truck, you haul truck of money is not, not coming on our porch. So don't feel bad asking just, you know, give the value and hopefully like your people were there, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing is that people don't realize the impact of, of just that. Cause like if you get five, $1 Patreon people, that's the same as hustling to make what is it? CPM is like a dollar is every like three to 4,000 views. So that's like, that's like 15 to 20,000 views on your videos is just having those five people say, yeah, I'll give you a dollar a month. Right. And, and our videos are maybe somewhere between if we're, we're, we're uh, okay. Video is 1500 views. If it's a great video, we got 5,000 views. So you're still talking about somewhere between five, maybe four or five to maybe eight videos that took you three hours to ride nine hours to edit. <laughs> yeah. And so it is what it is. I don't yeah, want to, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm being a dead horse there. Yeah. I, I don't want to fucking make, everybody I'm realizing that it's taken that, that as you change, as I'm trying to like change up my format to get away, it, like I'll still do riding and that'll be a part of it. But as I'm trying to like do some of these, like, cause I have, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and I listen to, I watch a lot of comedy like on Netflix and stuff. So as I have these ideas for like pretty stupid videos that I think will be really funny, I'm realizing how much time it takes to plan and film them. It's an, it's an insane amount of time, way more time than me going out and riding and then editing it together into a story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I when I first started, I, I did an interview with Gene. I think I had Gene from regular guy, regular guy mountain biking. I always fuck it up whenever I say his channel name. Hopefully I said it right. right yeah, that's it. regular guy mountain biking. And he, he, I, I think I asked him either it was on the interview or off the interview. It was like, how long do you take to edit? And he's like, I usually tell people it's three times as much time as it took me to ride. Mm -hmm. And, and as much as I don't want to say that's true, every time I think about it, it is mm -hmm. so it's a three hour ride. It's nine hours of editing, getting your, thumbnail getting your like all you all your shit in a row like writing your show more getting the links for amazon or whatever like it all adds up man so either way dude this this is the deal i really appreciate you taking the time to to sit down here with me today we're we're rounding the two hour mark right now um I wanted to make sure that I let people know I actually have biker Bart booked out into January. And I realized that I never tell people what next week is going to be. And, I, and I'll tell you guys right now, there's two reasons I do that. A sometimes shit falls through and B I don't want to like, like make anybody feel bad. Like, Hey, their daughter was sick, so they couldn't make the, 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 the episode, but I'm going to try to let you guys know a little bit more in advance. So right now I'm telling you, that next week we're going to have Kush core on. And um, so that'll be a really fun conversation. If you guys aren't familiar with them, they make an insert for the tire that is um, supposed to help your suspension and your cornering. And also like help you from maybe, maybe messing up those nice rims that you got. Yes, it works. It works. I use one. 
So they are also very difficult to install from what we've been told, but moving along from that, we'll talk about all that next week. So Sundays, 5 p.m. PST, that's when the biker bar is on. If you guys have been here this whole time, thank you so much. Um, please hit the subscribe button if you enjoy it and you want to see more. There's a little bell next to the subscribe button. That means you get notifications. Hit the bell, you'll get a notification. Don't hit the bell, you might not know when something happens. Um, the like button, that looks like a thumbs up. So you click that, it makes me happy. So I like being happy, so please click that. I really appreciate that. Um, outside of that, um, this is also a podcast. So some of you guys do watch this um, live. Some of you guys catch this later. If you listen to the podcast, whatever venue that you listen to the podcast, write a review for the podcast because that's like hitting subscribe. That's like hitting thumbs up. That's like giving it a star or whatever it is. It makes makes it better for me, makes the, the channel grow. It makes the podcast grow. And um, hopefully... We can, we can really take this thing to another level. I am looking to see this grow. And I really want the support of all of you guys there. So all you gotta do is take that little call to action, push the button, maybe type some words. That'd be awesome. Eric, give me a little bit, a little bit of a goodbye, man. Tell me, tell me, tell me what you want people to remember. Uh, yeah, the, the, I just, the main, the main, uh, story behind my channel is that, you know, with a little stubbornness and some dedication and it doesn't even have to be mountain biking, you're, you're capable of things that you don't know that you're capable of. You, all you have to do is take the tiny, take a, take a step to get out, push yourself outside your comfort level and you can do more than you know. Um, but it's great being on here. I, I watch this. I watch the biker bar pretty regularly as much as I can. And uh, I consider you a friend and just watching the comments on the side. We have an awesome community. A lot of, a lot of names that I recognize. So appreciate you having me on. Yeah, definitely, man. If you guys have not been to Eric's channel, it's called no front breaks. So you can go to YouTube and search that. I'll put it in the show more for sure. Definitely stop by his channel, hit the subscribe button over there. And um, thank you again, Eric. I really appreciate you being here. This is awesome that we had a thousand, uh, thousand subscriber live stream. I think that's the last time that we had like an official live stream together. Yeah. And here you are rounding up to six grand right now. I know you wouldn't have believed it if I would have told you then. That wasn't even a year ago at this point, dude. Congratulations. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, dude. Thank you for, for, for being part of the biker bar, something that I'm trying to build. And um, I appreciate all you guys out there, dude. Seriously, outside of all the talk about Patreon, outside of all the talk about subscribing, the thumbs up or whatever it is, those of you that are here, that are listening, that are tuning in, even if you're not subscribing, I don't care. Just watch the videos, enjoy what you're doing, and remember that it only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one.